Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Just before we do get going this week, we would like to point you all in the direction of our new partners over at Pitch Football. On the Pitch Football app, you'll be able to make predictions and rate the Everton squad and performances and interact with ourselves as well through the fan time feature. That's where we record our thoughts on the team at the moment, get a video out to you guys and you can respond and we'll share them through our social channels. It's dead easy and it's free as well. So remember to get your predictions in on the Pitch Football app for the upcoming Everton fixture and download by searching Pitch Football app where you can get all of your latest Everton news. Thanks very much for listening to that message. Here's the rest of your podcast. Mr. the Blue Room on Radio City Talk, your weekly show. And there's plenty to talk about. Unfortunately, not all of it is positive after Everton slumped to a 4-0 defeat against Chelsea at the weekend. The Merseyside derby coming up, of course, as well. Um, Ben, Paul and Connor join me in the studio. I've just got to say before we, we start, met you downstairs, Connor, then. Um, you know, as I do, like you're into the tower. And Paul was chatting away in fluent Spanish to some Atletico Madrid fans outside. <laughs> uh, didn't know you had that in your locker. Yeah, it, it's one of my hidden secrets, Matt. Yeah, no, uh, well, I lived in Spain for a bit as well when I was younger, but uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've got quite a bit of experience in Spanish. Oh, they, did they fancy the chances of getting a result in Anfield? They, they definitely fancy uh, getting at least a draw there tomorrow, yeah. I mean, and... and I've spoke to about four different Atletico fans this afternoon in the city, and everyone of them said, "Yeah, we've noticed there's more Everson fans in the city than Liverpool." So <laughs> yeah. they're, they're my guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any Reds who are angry about that do direct your abuse direct to Paul on Twitter. Um, yeah, we're gonna we'll speak about the derby a little bit towards the, the end of the show, but uh, Chelsea very much on the agenda. But well, first and foremost, just obviously wanted to, to have a, a chat with the lads about the ongoing issues regarding the coronavirus. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday, um, so things might have developed. By the time this this does go out on Wednesday night, um, but at the moment it's been it's been said that the Italian season may not finish. Uh, League One has been suspended until or going to be played behind closed doors till April. Champions League games are being played behind closed doors. It feels like everybody kind of is sort of getting in line with this across European football, apart from the Premier League. Yeah, it's it's well, first and foremost, it's unprecedented, isn't it? No one, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before happen across sport in 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 the in the world, right? in, in, no, certainly Europe, um, it is worrying. But, yeah, the Premier League got some big decisions, I think, to make in, in the immediate coming days. I think um, the fact so many have opted to, to, to kind of do what they've done kind of shows what their belief and their thinking is. And it seems, that, to be fair to the Premier League, it seems to be that they're following the advice of the UK government. Mm. Which isn't exactly very clear. Well, <laughs> 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 we're not getting too political. Let's just say yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's not really <laughs> the best advice I think to, to be following. But um, no, the Premier League going to be 
I think gonna have to make some big calls in the coming days because if they do choose to carry, you know, carry on as normal, there could be massive implications in you know in the long run. Or does they follow suit with the rest of Europe and go behind closed doors, which also brings massive, massive ramifications. Uh, looking at Monday night and, and beyond that, so yeah, it, it's it's unprecedented and it's it's gonna be an interesting few days, I think, more than anything because they're gonna have to make a call sooner rather than later ahead of the weekend. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree with what Connor said there. It is unprecedented and it is a situation we've not found ourselves in before as supporters and we're hopefully not going to find ourselves in again. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting couple of days ahead of the derby because you think really with the derby being such a big sporting event, if the government or the FA were to sort of join up and make a bit of an example out of this and show that this country has taken it seriously, it would be by playing the Merseyside derby behind closed doors, which as supporters we don't want. But obviously, mm. it's kind of outside everyone's Andrew. It's came, it's just snowballed into like a real pandemic, and it's nobody really, I think, has the right information on it over and everything. Really, it's seems to be disagreements all over. Yeah, the place. I, I, the I, I don't read too much into it. I don't watch the news about it all the time, so I don't really understand it. I just know that it's spreading across Europe and obviously Italy have taken, led by example, by playing behind closed doors. Um, found out before that the Chelsea Bayern Munich game is mm. going to be behind closed doors. So really, it, that all equates to the game on Monday night following suit. But as a fan, I hope it doesn't happen. But I don't really know enough about it to know whether mm. it, it's justified or not. I just, from a supporter's point of view... I just hope it affects everyone and affects football as little as possible, really. It's going to have massive impact, isn't it? In regards oh. to, you know, because you look at the calendar already, Paul, and, you know, you go to the summer and there's the Euros, there's yeah, the yeah. the Copa America, there's the Olympics potentially as well, if, if that goes ahead. And already you're getting games pushed back, you're getting seasons potentially pushed back. And I suppose it's not so much, you know, we were speaking before the show about Bootle and some, you know, someone who, who Connor covers. And, you know, you look at, Teams like that lower down the football and pyramid who, who rely on the gate receipts, you know, yeah, sort of yeah. to, to live hand to mouth, and yeah. it might not have a, a huge impact on Everton or you know other Premier League clubs or even Championship clubs, apart from the actual yeah. optics of an empty ground. But those sort of sides, it's going to be a massive impact on them, isn't it? Yeah, and as, as both Ben and Connor have been pointing out, no one quite knows where this is going to end. No one quite knows how the situation is going to unravel, how it's going to develop in the in the next few weeks or so. And you no, know, we're, we're kind of guessing. Very limited guidance from the government in terms of you know, what the direction of action from from the authorities is going to be, and it, it almost seems to be changing on, on a day by day basis. We're kind of in this containment phase, but we're almost got part of the delay phase with us as well. And uh, I think, understandably, football is totally unprepared for this. You know, uh, in all the planning mm. that they do about terrorist attacks and things like that, I'm, I'm sure they never modelled the situation whereby yeah. there's like a, a pandemic striking the country and how does football continue? Can football continue in those circumstances? And, you know, let's face it, the, you know, the, um, I understand that the Premier League might be trying to wait for further government guidance, but the salaries the Premier League executives are on, look at Peter Scudamore, for example, the, no, Richard Scudamore, uh, then certainly the, the, the they're in a position to make a decision themselves, aren't they? They're definitely in a decision to 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 put supports for safety first. I mean, as much as I hate the dogs to be played behind closed doors, if I've got the choice of guessing the pick up the virus and going to the match or the match being behind closed doors, to me it's no contest. Hmm. See, I, I just think though, like what Paul said about you know the, the going to the game, picking up the virus and stuff like that, and it's, it's a really valid point. But I just think you look at you know, the world we live in. If you're saying by going to a match where there's a lot of people and stuff like that, can't really work, can't it? Yeah, exactly. Everyday life, you know. I get to train to work. Yeah. You know, I walk through mm. a train station of a morning, it's yeah, full of yeah. people. I work in an office block that's yeah. full of people. You know, there's every chance. You know, then more places going to be going, are going to mm. go and shut down because mm. effectively, it's the same environment, isn't it? You know, people are sitting next to each other. People are sitting by. So I think it's. I think if it does go behind closed doors, the Premier League games, etc then it's going to be really interesting what the next move is because, like I say, you're looking at them potentially closing train stations, closing... It's kind of way, open to kind of well, way. It's still isn't it? I mean, did you get the coronavirus information from Everson by yeah. email last week? Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, the thing there about, about uh, fans over the age of 17 they might have to consider, you know, restricting their entrance to the stage. I, I just, I was, I was stunned by that. I mean, how you could even begin to operate a policy like that, I, 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 I just don't know. And I really would like to see a situation whereby a certain age group was prohibited from watching football matches and other age groups were given free access to the stadium. Hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't work, does it? Whatever plan they come up with, it's going to have to be, obviously with people's health and safety first and foremost. But 
I could just completely agree with what Connor said there about the fact that envy. What do we do? Do we not go into any public space at all? Do we not go to work? Do we not, like you say, get trains, buses? Do we, you know, how do we? How long does this go on for before we realise we've just got to just start living our lives basically? And that for a lot of people, including the people in this room, equates to attending football matches as a hobby. So if we're not going to do that, there's an awful lot of other things you need to look at, as well as football, which is going to be restricted. So time will only tell, and I think it is an interesting few days, especially with the derby coming up, because you've essentially got not just one section of support from a city, but another. So you've got sort of everyone in the city culminating, especially outside the stadium. You know, you're going to have pubs that are full. You're going to have family members visit family members to watch the football. So basically, it's all going to be a big public coming together. So I'll be interested to see what they do ahead of this game, like I've said earlier, because this is a prime example of where the like where public space is limited, if you will. Mm. So it will be... Just be interested to see what happens, but if they're gonna stop us going to football matches, you know where does where does that stop? Because you know you can't do anything basically, mm. can you? Yeah, I think I, mean, it, I think for me it's just got to be appropriate with the, the yeah. you know the situation. You know, you know you look at Italy and what they're doing at the it's moment. Relevant, hasn't it? Yeah, they, they are measures in line with yeah. what's going on in that country at the moment in regards yeah. to you know they are the, the worst affected nation in Europe in regards to all this, and they have taken appropriate measures. You said there about the government not necessarily putting these. You know their message across clearly. I think at the moment what they're saying is they're still in phase one of this, yeah. which is the mm-hmm. contain phase, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. so they still think they've got it sort of, un- yeah. you know, not under control. If you will, they certainly think they can, they can limit this. And if they can do that, great, we can all yeah. go on. But if, if it does carry on, it does get to those sort of levels. I think the, the appropriate and you know proportional measures have got to be taken. Think, really, yeah, I think so. I mean, if it ends up the number of people dying ends up approaching the level the levels we're seeing in Italy at the moment, then I think you no, know, the, the government has no choice but but to play games behind closed doors. And, and was I correct when I read somewhere that there's some possibility if that happens that that likes of Sky and BT will be empowered to broadcast all the games free of charge. Yeah, to the, the, to, the, the, the three o'clock. That, that's one. Solu- yeah. I think that's one solution on the table. Isn't yeah. it? I think there's. They obviously had a meeting yesterday. The, the culture and media secretary met with yeah. government bodies and and leading broadcasters. And I think that was one of the potential solutions moving forward that could mm. come yeah. out. This is the three pm blackouts mm. wiped out for you know yeah, fans. Yeah. Fans basically, I mean, well, if they can't attend games, fair enough. Have you not been out buying toilet roll? Everybody else has provisions, provisions, you know, yeah. in case the worst happens. Remember the 60s and 70s, it was quite a tradition to throw toilet or some behind the goal from the Glad Street, wasn't it? You know, yeah. so you wouldn't get that now. No, no, forget about bringing that tradition back in the moment. Yeah, there's none left in the shops. I want to part with them anyway. Would you have bought all their ones? Yeah, after the break, we'll be talking about Everton on the pitch. Yeah, they were poor at Chelsea on Sunday, weren't they? We'll chat about that game here on the Blue Room very shortly. It's that time again on the show where we look at some of the numbers and figures and stats from Pitch Sport, our partners over at the Pitch Sport app where you can have your say on Everton's game from the weekend. Obviously not the best one this week, uh, probably the lowest numbers we've had so far. Um, the team selection from Carlo Angelotti was rated a 5.8 out of 10. Carlo himself got a rating of 5.2, not his best day. Everton's certainly a bit light in midfield. Uh, the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, 5.2. Uh, any blues who were down there? Let us know. What was the away end like? Uh, certainly looked a little bit empty than usual towards the end, which of course is understandable. And the referee on the day was rated a 4.6. Everton haven't had some great referees recently. Uh, the man of the match on the day was 72% of the vote was Jordan Pickford. I think that's absolutely fair enough. Um, a lot of Everton players struggled on the day. Jordan Maybe could have done a little bit better for the first goal. Probably a bit disappointed with that when Mason Mount shot. He conceded a few from outside the area this season, of course. But made some excellent saves. His distribution was good. He was commanded in the box. And uh, Everton are certainly going to need him to be at his best ahead of the Merseyside derby at the weekend. If you want to put forward your 11 for that game, uh, Carlo Angelotti has got a difficult one, hasn't he, on his mind going into that game. Do get over to the Pitch Sport app where you can select, you can rate, and you can give your insight and views on what's going on with the team at the moment. Thanks very much for listening to that message. Here's the rest of your podcast. We are back on the Blue Room. It's part two of the show, and unfortunately we've got to talk about Chelsea 4, Everton 0. The thing that annoyed me most about this, Ben, was all week on all our shows, and even the morning of the game itself, I was sitting there thinking, and I was saying, quite fancy Everton at the weekend. Uh, We've got a good chance. They're injured. They've had a midweek game against Liverpool, which was pretty tough. Um, We're playing all right. (laughs) And once again, let down. Yeah, it's it's completely the hope that kills you. I'm fully behind that motto with Everton at the moment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 
I myself went into the game not necessarily thinking we were going to go and win the game or it was going to be an easy afternoon but I think given the changes that were enforced on them the suspensions etc they didn't have a full strength side out because out of necessity really I felt that we could have got something out of the game and I was expecting really especially under Carlo Ancelotti a really sort of clever tactical tactical suit to follow and then mm. It just didn't. It was atrocious from really from minute one because that first ten minutes, I think they scored in about fourteen minutes. Even the first ten minutes, you know, we were all looking around each other, thinking this is going to be a really long afternoon. It did feel early on like yeah, you could see where momentum. it was going, couldn't you? Yeah, we we literally, I don't think we got anything right at all and down to the tactics to the individual player performances. I felt in the first ten minutes, Chelsea just completely called our bluff. They just let us pass the ball round out from the back like for some reason we insist, insist on doing, even away from home, and letting us have the ball. And as soon as we entered there, after press us quickly, get the ball and knock a diagonal ball down the side. And they know that Michael Keane, you know, is not going to catch Willian in a foot race. Mm. So, you know, and especially, I was just disappointed with the whole sort of defensive setup, really. And yeah, just completely agree there. We all went in there thinking that we were going to get something out of the game or we were hopeful, should we say. Mm. But it just came crashing back down to earth, and I think now the Merseyside derby is looking a little bit, slightly more precarious situation than it was maybe we'll, before the Chelsea game. We'll save that apart for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, like Ben, I, I was and yourself, I, I was totally frustrated by Everson's play on Sunday. I, I sat down thinking, we're going to get something for this. We're in a good one form here. Ancelotti knows Chelsea. He knows how to prepare for games like this, and for whatever reason. The team just never got going from, from, from the kickoff, and the amount of space we allowed Chelsea in midfield w- 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 was really quite frightening. It was almost a Marco Silva type performance in yeah. terms of, of how we how we defended the situations. I think once again, you, know, you you've raised a point, Matt, about Jordan Pickford. Once again, he's beaten by a shot from outside the area, and uh, I think that's about the seventh or eighth time this season mm. he's been beaten by a shot from outside the area, and. You mentioned Michael Keane, Ben. I mean, why be persistent playing out from the back with Michael Keane? I've and no Sidibe idea. as well. He's got no confidence on the ball, boss. Sidibe's no. distribution, it's not even good enough for League One at the moment, in my opinion. And doesn't ever complete a pass, no, does he? No, he doesn't. And the midfield, I mean, it's always been my thing about Everton recent season. We've got no pace in midfield. And Tom Davies and Gomez, they're just too slow in midfield and they're just getting overwhelmed. And when, when Everton's midfield is getting getting outthought and outrun by an 18-year-old Chelsea player, Billy Gilmore, who's only played about two or three, three Premier League games, then you do start to think, what's gone wrong here? What's wrong with the organisation? And the final thing that did it for me on Sunday was, for the second away game in succession, we come out to start the second half and we give a goal away straight away. Yeah. Mm. You, can't, you can't be doing that. Yeah, I can completely agree with the lads. I said, I think the big thing for me from Sunday was only got to be 4-0. I know that sounds absolutely mad, but when, when that yeah. fourth goal yeah. went in... Yeah. You, you, I sat there thinking, Barkley this, is, fifth this is going to be a long <laughs> 35, 30, 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes. It's 30, sorry, 57, wasn't it, when yeah, you scored? You so, th- you're thinking yeah. it's going to be a long 35 minutes here because we look you know, we look finished from yeah. minute five, didn't we? So, you know, but I think, I actually think, you know, the manager, you know, we all love the manager, we all think he's great, but he's got to take some of the blame and shoulder some of the blame yeah, because yeah, yeah. he picked that team, he set that team up. He must have seen the limitations of what some of them players can offer away from home, especially mm. uh, in previous games. And, you know, the fact that he still persisted with certain some of them yeah, personnel yeah. doesn't really cover him any favours. The only thing you can really hope is that, if we're looking at it from a total positive point of view, was that he was sending a message to, you know, the owners and the board basically saying, well, yeah. this is, I want to be in the Champions League, I want to aim for the best, mm. but this is what I've got at my disposal. You know you've got to you've got to help me out here, but it was just pitiful from minute minute one to minute ninety three, wasn't it? And yeah. you know it just shows how far we've still we've still got to go. I mean, we talk about you know European aspirations out of the table there on on Monday night, and you know Crystal Palace went to Brighton two weeks ago in a relegation six pointer. That was what you know was built mm. as you know. But the Palace are two points above us now on the league table. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, it's almost yeah, like you know, two weeks ago we were sitting there going, We've got a chance of European yeah. football, you know. And yeah. Palace were going to Brighton in a relegation six pointer. Now they're two points above us in the league table and yeah. you know, all of a sudden we're twelfth and you think well, you know, effectively, you know, the season's over. We're just gonna basically again sort of hmm. tail off, you know, into the sunset early doors. Probably still like six points off of the But you just you just don't watch you don't, you don't watch that thinking the weekend you think we, we've, we've got a chance here and you think some of the games you've still got to play. We've you know we've we've got a, the teams you know, like Sons of Bramwell Lane, 
places like that, you don't watch them lads and think, well, when we go to Bramwell Lane, we'll be able to weather the storm early doors and then Absolutely. come back at them. You just, you know, you, you just it shows the limitations and we can only hope that now we start to build build blocks for next season and, and, and bring some bodies in the summer. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Carlo there. Uh, sorry, but you mentioned Carlo there, Connor. I mean, one of the things I didn't quite understand was why why pick Sigerson as captain? What's he shown that just? I, mean, I think a lot of people would say you could probably finish that sentence one word earlier there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it, it just I know Carlos. I mean, his autobiography is called Quiet Leadership, so maybe <laughs> think Sigerson's the epitome of quiet leadership. I don't know, but you know, I've had a quote from Tony Cascarino in the Times on Monday. He said, "As a captain, you're supposed to raise the standards of your teammates and get them going for the contest. By every measure, Sigerson failed to do that completely." Yeah, I completely agree with that, to be honest, as well. And I just want to go back to something Connor alluded to before, then, when he said about sort of Ancelotti having to shield a bit of the blame. I actually agree with you. I love Carlo Ancelotti. He's been a real breath of fresh air since he's come in, and we'll never say too much of a bad word about him. But I think a couple of times, I'm not going to use the word naive because that's disrespectful with what he's done in the game, but there's been a bit of tactical tweaking definitely needed in some of the away games. I think I've seen him go away from home too often with a makeshift back four and play a high line. You know, I think he did. He did so against Arsenal, and he de- then he definitely did against Chelsea, where he allowed pushed up the defenders, which allowed basically players like Aubameyang and Willian and Pedro to run in behind. And that to me, I don't know, understand why you'd go to the likes of Stamford Bridge with the attacking force they've got a player high line because it's clear we haven't got the players to do it. I mean, Michael Keane for me is not first choice anyway, but even if you put Yerry Mina in defence. He, sometimes he looks like he's running through mud, doesn't he? Mm. You know yeah. when, he, when he's trying to trap out. Okay, you've got Mason Holgate there, but even he got skinned alive at times mm. at the weekend. So really, I want to see the next big away game that we have where we go up against it. I'd like to see us not so much. I don't want to say park the bus, but sit in a little bit more and bring invite a little bit of pressure on to hit teams on the break rather than trying to go and pass out from the back away from home because it doesn't work at home. So it definitely, it's not going to work at places just, like Stamford Bridge. Just being devil's advocate a little bit there because I do agree with everything you said. But, you know, we're talking now about where everything are and very much the focus is going to shift towards next season now. And with that in mind, if he wants his team to play out yeah. in the back next season, if he wants his team to But those play players line, won't be there doing it, I don't think But, that's but some thing. of them might be. Yeah. Some of them might be. You know, Mason Holgate's going to, going oh, to be there still. Yeah. Yeri Mina's going to be there still. You know, there's going to be... Gomez is still going to be there. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. there's going to be a lot of lads in this setup who's going to be there. So with that in mind, would you... You know, and again, we are reading between the lines because we don't know that this is the case. But if he wants his lads to play like that next season, yeah, yeah. just start getting oh, them ready yeah. for that now. I understand what you mean, yeah, yeah. by like sort of bedding it in and yeah. getting it ingrained in. I, I get what you mean exactly because we all want to see a more progressive style of football. Let's face that's why we got rid of Allardyce and tried with the likes of Silva and now Ancelotti. But at the same time, if it's not working, it's not working. So mm. it's horses for courses. If you could, we can try and be as progressive as we want and try and instill that on the training pitch. But if we're going to go into away games and essentially, because of that stubbornness, throw points away like we did against Chelsea, then that's it, you know it's got to be it's got to be, it's, the risk has got to equate to me. I don't want to be going into away games like that trying to play the progressive football that we know we're going to be at eventually if it means we're going to get B four nil. I just think that it's you know again this football club the small margins you know we talk about all the time you think like. You know, the first 25 minutes, we got the ball once off them in their half and we should score to make it 2-1. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, the Emirates, small margins, missed chances, bad defending. You can't you can't keep equating for these small margins because you can't, you, know, you can't equate for your centre-forward going clean through who's been banging for him and fluffing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't equate for, you know, Jabel Sadibay at Arsenal not picking up a Bamyang in the six-yard box when he's three yards you know, yeah. alongside them, you, you can't quite for that. And I think what what Matt said there about you know look, moving forward, I think I actually think that's the most keen conundrum Carlo Ancelotti now faces because I've seen a lot of people on social media saying, well, now kind of the season's over, he's got to give him a run of games, he's got to got to prove so that he's he, made he, he, he can made of. But if Carlo Ancelotti's sitting there right now, thinking, well, actually in the summer is a way of saving money, we're not going to look to buy a forward, a big forward, we're going to stick with Richardson and Calvert Lewin. They've proved they've done well in the games mm. that have been here. They look effective. They can score goals. Then he's got to stick with them too because you've got to let yeah. their partnership blossom and move forward and and, and grow. So Moise Keane doesn't get a look at them because yeah, yeah. effectively he's just going to be third fiddle. So I think he's going to face a couple of them conundrums in the coming weeks because the way it's, the season's going because of how bad Sunday was, it's almost like instead of him kind of 
getting a free and going for yeah. it because he's got stuff to play for. People will be looking at it from a more people will be looking from a long term tactical view saying, Well, we've got none to play for, why isn't so and so playing? We've got none to play for, why aren't we trying this? And almost that almost sometimes brings more pressure than it would if we were going for Europe, but it was like all we need to do is just dog as many points out as we can from now to the end of the season and let's see where we finish to people saying, Well, it doesn't really matter how many points we have because we're going to come mid table. I want to see this happening. I want to see that. And I think sometimes that's actually puts a man under more pressure than actual yeah. being yeah. in a fight for something does. I think what you were saying before, Matt, about you know implementing this system playing from the back. I think also the midfield has to contribute a bit more into this system playing out from the back. They have to get the back four options to come and pick the ball up in space and, and you know keep possession and start and start some some attacking movements when we have the ball in our possession. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with what, what Connor says. There. I think it is a bit of a dilemma. How, how do we see out the rest of the season? As a fan, I want to see us going for every win, every point. I don't particularly want to see us experimenting for next season. Mm. I want to try. And finish as high in the league as possible with the still outside chance we might just scrape in the Europa League. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, you know, you said there before, Matt, about probably three or four of the current defensive lineup will be there next season as well. And whether that thrills me with confidence or not is a matter to debate, to be honest. Uh, certainly, Luca, Luca Dean is not being the same player this season as what, well, yeah. as what he was last season. Um, Michael Keane, I've never quite regarding them as being at the standard you need for an Everton centre-half. Yeni Mina's still got potential, uh, so you know, I've reserved judgments on him. And and the right-back position, to me, is still a mega concern because you've got Coleman, who's good defensively, but can't cross, uh, can't cross the ball, and Sadibi, who can't defend, but can get forward. So, yeah. you know, between the two of them, you've got to do some full-back. Yeah. Um, the, the midfield, I think, um, was, was one for me where it was, you know, painfully obvious how, how short Everton were. And I think, in fairness to, to Gomez and, and Davis, the... The system didn't help them at all. You know the way in which Everton was set up, it was it was wide open. Gomez obviously being not quite on it yet, and Tom Davis not necessarily being the most mobile. But I think what it did, and this is where you know certainly Davis, people have, have isolated in particular, and, and Sigurdsson to a degree as well. The game at the weekend, the way Everton set up, it brutally exposed the flaws of those lads. You know you, you could you could see in that game at the weekend exactly what Sigurdsson can't do and the many things he can't do you could see all the things that, that Tom Davis struggles at and it was just it was just there in front of everyone to see Absolutely yeah I, I get what you say about the systems not matching up the only reason I would sort of lean towards being a bit more critical of the midfield was they weren't exactly up against a first rate midfield in the first you know they were up against a midfield three albeit of talent of Mason Mount Ross Barkley and Billy Gilmore the young lad that was his first appearance I think yep. but, you know that's not a big ruthless midfield of like Michael Essien and Claude Macaulay <laughs> that, no, of yesteryear that's a young inexperienced midfield that you can get at and really I was a little bit disappointed the likes of Davis who has got quite a bit of experience for a young lad and Andre Gomez as well they didn't really grab the game by the scruff neck like I thought they were going to yeah okay the system might have exposed them slightly but with regards to Sigurdsson and maybe giving him a little bit more sympathy for what he's done that doesn't the system doesn't excuse lack of effort yeah. and the fact that we only oh, won absolutely. the ball back yeah. once and the fact that I saw something that Gilfie Sigurdsson made something like four sprints Some during the game match them so, yeah exactly yeah. so you can say what we like about the system not fitting etc but there's no excuse for not being able to run around a little bit, especially in Gilfie Sigurdsson's case. So, although there's a little bit of sympathy there that maybe the tactics didn't work on the day, for me, it definitely wasn't a world-class midfield they were up against. And you should be a little bit disappointed and you should be looking to rectify that. And if Gilfie Sigurdsson especially thinks that he's going to keep in the team on merit based on that kind of those kind of run stats, he's got another thing coming under Carlo, I think. Mm. I think... You don't want to be single anyone out here, Connor, because you know it was a it was a wretched team performance for everybody. But I think that the one player who has borne a lot of criticism and the one player that frustrates me the most was was Tom Davis because it feels like we we've been in this position so many times of him where he's had a good half in, in a game like he did against Manchester United the week before. You're sitting there thinking this could potentially be the time he kicks on and, and shows us what he's got, and then the week after you're looking at it and going, oh, this lad doesn't look, look look quite on it. And it just feels as though we're in this. You know, on a bit of a hamster wheel with him at the moment, where good half, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It feels like like Groundhog Day constantly with Tom. Well, I think it's we're almost sitting like the end of the road, aren't we? With it now, because there's only so long you can carry on going round in the hamster wheel and mm. hoping that eventually something's going to come off or something's going to happen. Whereas it not happening, and I think you look now, it's not happening, is it for him? I think you know, if you look to the team moving forward, 
would he be in around the, the, what you'd expect? Probably not. I think you know. I think it was quite telling was it, that under Ancelotti to begin with he was kind of a bit of an outcast wasn't yeah. he never really got a look in yeah. Yeah. it's only really been recently when the injuries have started the suspensions have, have kicked in that he's kind of almost by default got back in got back in the mix and you, again you watch you know you watch the Man United game and you think he's took his chance here by default but yeah. then you look and think well now he's he's just back to you know the same old frustrating Tom and I, I feel I feel like we've, it's coming to the end of the road with him now at Everton I think yeah. You don't, you're not really seeing enough on a regular basis to, to kind of think, well, it's worth persisting here. There's just something here. I think you look at the, you know, the current crop of youngsters and Calvert Lewin and Holgate, who he was, a, who he was a part yeah. of. You look at how, you know, how impressive they've come on and now they've matured and how they've all found niches and aspects of the game and and worked and improved. And, and he's still the same player he was yeah. when. In fact, I'd probably say. He's regressed, doesn't he? He's, he's, he's regressed. Yeah. You know, yeah. when he first burst on the scene, he was a little bit raw. Yeah. yeah. You know, a little bit kind of more direct for me, more skillful. He just, he just, he just does so much energy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's prepared yeah. to try things when he first came into the side. I mean, I think to some extent that's almost been coached out of him. Then his, you know, that goal against Man City, you've never seen a move like that from him since. Uh, and he did that. He did definitely have that ability. I mean, yeah, I agree totally with what Connor's saying, what Ben's saying there as well. My only sort of concern with Tom Davis is, is what's going on with him on the training ground? I mean, why is he not progressed as a footballer? This, this is his third season as. In the Premier yeah. League, he's only 21, and as you said, Connor, I think at the very least he's he's plateaued. But if you're being quite critical, he's actually gone backwards in, in terms of his ability. And uh, you contrast his fortunes for Everton with his fortunes for the England under 21 side, where he's the captain of the under 21s. A.D. Boothroy always raised about the contribution he makes to the under 21 side. So there's obviously a good player in there somewhere, but for some reason we're not we're not I seeing think, it. I think in his defence a little bit, he's probably been a victim of the managerial. Yeah, upheaval yeah, hasn't he over, yeah, over the yeah. last you know you think of your best on the scene under Ronald Koeman yeah, yeah. then he got Sam Allardyce then it went Marco Silva yeah. then, you know and you look at all them all them managers have brought a different way in which they want their yeah. midfield to play you yeah. know they they brought different ways in which they believe the way our midfielders should be and I think he's in a, in a defence he's probably been hard done to by that because he's never really probably had a, an abs, a, a coach manager who's kind of said yeah. looks from this way I wanted to play car, yeah. and we're going to build yeah. we're going to build into this type of play he's kind of Gone from pillar to post, and and now it's almost like he's a victim of he's a victim of that. You know, it's like like years ago when you had players who could play right back, centre back, yeah. centre midfield. Yeah. Eventually, they kind of got found out because they weren't good enough to play in yeah. one of them positions because they'd been moved around so much that they were a victim of their own versatility. And I think Tom Davis is ultimately probably been a victim of the managerial upheaval, like a lot of like a lot of players. I think yeah. who would have been also. What can you, you could argue he's not really played. With the same midfield partner week in mm-hmm. week out, he's playing with different partners all yeah. the time. So, so one week he's expected to be the tackling midfielder, the other week he's expected to be the creative midfielder, the other week he's expected to do the running for another midfielder. So he, even his role in midfield has changed from match to match, from manager mm-hmm. to manager. So not like you, I do have a degree of sympathy with him, and nothing would make me happier than him being a local lad coming through and being an Everton regular for the next three, four, five seasons. But at the moment, I just can't see that happening. I think as well, you know, you look at the weekend; it was a bit, like, you know, Ben said the teasing up the game had a scruff for the next. But it starts at the back, doesn't it? You know, the way we want to play, the back four have got to be able to get the two of them on the yeah, ball in, in yeah, positions yeah, where they yeah, can do yeah. you know damage. You know, it goes it goes back to that old like the same doesn't like not the best quarterback in the world, but if you can't get the ball to him, yeah, yeah. he's gonna do no damage. Mm. And, you know, Andre Gomez is unbelievable. But if we can't get the ball to him in areas where he's gonna be able to pick a pass or, you know, make strides mm. forward, it's it's putting us having him on the pitch because you then just basically saying to him, Oh, just hook it over the top when you get it and See that lad there who's eighteen go and go and run box to box with him. Yeah. It's you know it's it's pointless, isn't it? It's pointless exercise. Which starts from the it might I think it starts from the back of you've got to be able to get them the ball in areas that they can they can do damage. Yeah, I mean it's interesting what you've said about Andre Gomez there for me because Andre Gomez is a prime example of we know exactly what his qualities are and like you say there you've got to play the game around him and give him the ball or he doesn't thrive. The big issue I have with Tom Davis, although we love his endeavour and his like being a young local lad and all that, I don't really know what he is as a midfielder. He's not a ball winner who no. runs around like a Driscana gay, harrying players and putting big tackles in. Mm. He's certainly not for me a goal scorer in midfield. He never seems to score other than a decent finish against Leicester in the cup. And he doesn't really he's not much of a playmaker. I don't really know what he does other than run round a little bit like a bit of a headless chicken at times. And yet people might perceive that to be a bit harsh, but I do like him. And I do think 
there is a player in there like you've all alluded to but for me he's had an awful lot of chances and f- even though he is still young he's had a lot of time and a lot of games under his belt now for Everton and he has to grab the rest of the season by the scruff of the neck for me because I think you said before and you can't, it's make or break for him now really this scene because it is the difference now these last few months of whether or not he can force his way into a team with very limited options as well we've got to remember he was not exactly forcing himself, forcing good players out of the team who were on form. So this is make or break for him now, these last few months for the end of the season for me. Yeah, tough times for Tom. Um, after the break, we'll continue to talk about this game for a little bit longer. And then Merseyside Derby, I'm sure the lads can't wait to speak about that. It's the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Back to the next part of your podcast in a moment or two, but I just want to direct your attention to the Blue Room Extra, which is our subscription service for those of you who want a little bit more, well, a lot more from us in regards to content, it's patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. We have all sorts of different shows on there. Very different lineup to what we had previously for 2020. There's plenty of new things on there, including Series 2 of Diaries of an Old Lady, which gets you underway this summer. There's no obligation whatsoever. There's a back catalogue of tens of and hundreds of interviews that we've done with former players and legends, including that Diaries of an Old Lady Season 1 with the likes of Joe Royal, Graham Sharp, Kevin Sheedy, give us their greatest moments as we count down to Everton moving to Bramley Moor in a few years' time. Plenty of other shows coming up as well, brand new ones. We're adding more and more to the list as we go on. It's a really cheap price. It's around £3.99 a month. There's no obligation to sign up either. So you can try it for one month if you don't like it. Just cancel your subscription and we won't be charged any further by ourselves. So please check it out, patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. Now back to your podcast. It's the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. We were just talking about potentially converting Tom Davis into a right wing back. <laughs> oh, I the anti the opposite of Philip Lamb. Ben. Inverting the Philip Lamb pyramid. I mean, if, if Carlos listens to this and that happens, and it ends up being a revelation, you know, well, we've coined the idea. After Sadibi the other day, not being too harsh on him, but I don't think it would really hurt us to try something a bit different. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone wants to see Sadibi at right wing back <laughs> against Liverpool. But he reckons he signed. He reckons he signed. Yeah, he's green like, lights. Yeah, yeah, green lights uh, for the deal. Apparently, yeah. Just one thing I wanted to speak about quickly before we go on to talk about that derby. Um, one going forward, Connor, the lads up front have been doing well. Obviously, with Charles and Dominic Carvert Lewin, but I think the the last three games. Since that Palace game, the obviously the Arsenal away, United at home, the match at the weekend, scored twice from set pieces and one from a, a goalkeeper Harla. Going forward, I think it's just maybe lost a little bit. I, I, we haven't really created too many opportunities from from open play. He seems to be changing the wingers quite a lot, and it just feels like we lost the while the you know the two lads up top are still scoring goals. Maybe we've lost a little bit of momentum in that area too. Yeah, I think we have, and I also actually think I know Calvert Luna has scored goals, but I also think he's lost a little bit. And he, like against Man United, where he goes clean through, mm. and he, I know people saying it was a great save by the air, but he's got a burst in it. Still missing chances, isn't he? You know, yeah. as a number nine going clean through there, you've just scored already. Burst in it, you know, yeah. just put your foot through it and, and burst in it. You know, it's it's not really for me. It's not it's not yeah. really rocket science. Just burst in it, you know. What I, mean? yeah, yeah. I think you look at you know Arsenal away. He has a couple of close ones, didn't he? Where he kind of. Just a couple across the edge of the box. Yeah, and then Char- you know, yeah. Charleston had an effort, didn't he? Where he kind of, he kind of tried to bend it and probably said, just put his foot through it. So I actually think, in some respects, they're probably not being helped by the changes in like the wingers. And, you know, I think you look at like Bernard the weekend, who was anonymous, wasn't he? Yeah. And, you know, I know he went off injured, but he was probably heading off for nearly, an early shower before he got, he got a knock. You know, Walcott's kind of struggled for fitness. It's kind of has been a bit stopped. You know, Sigurdsson obviously played out, played out wide, and it's not really answerable. I think they've kind of lost that little bit of cutting edge. I think you know, you look at Calvert Lewin against like Crystal Palace, where like this is second goal, where it's instinctive, the ball comes to him, and the first touch it's banging on you know, yeah. back of the net. He seems to have gone back to like the old Dominic Calvert Lewin, where he gets himself in really good positions, but that little final bit like mm. is just missing, and I think he can't really afford to do that because. We don't get many chances. You when you you know we play forever, and you don't get many yeah, chances. Yeah, yeah. You've got to take them when you get them. And it cost us at Arsenal. It cost against Man United because we should have been two 0 up. You know, it's it's all kind of all sorts of small ball. I think a little bit, and I think ultimately they'll, they'll be given as long as they need because they're the best two forwards we've got. Mm. But they've got to start showing a little bit more. I think in front of goal, and a little bit more composure. 
I think yeah. it's it's been interesting for me as well that Alex Roby's not got on the pitch the last mm. two games. Ben. I don't think he fits the formation or the plan at all. Mm. I think it's strange because the best we've all seen, I think we'll unanimously agree that the best we've seen from Alex Roby was that game against West Ham where he played as like a floating number 10 mm. where he was given basically a free role and free licence to create and try a goal whenever he wanted and that's not a part of Carlo Ancelotti's setup. He's very calculated, very organised if nothing else and I don't think we see the best of him on the left door, especially off the right wing. And he did get a chance to call Luis Arsenal, didn't he? Mm. And he definitely didn't take that chance. So as much as he's a player, Alex Iwobi, that I'm not ready to write off yet because I do think he's got something. Because I used to like watching him at Arsenal. I used to think he was a good, skillful player. I think it's just finding the right position or coaching him into a new position. Mm. But at the moment, he doesn't fit what we're trying to do. He doesn't fit the setup of the team. So until that happens, I think he is going to be a bit of a bit power player, a bit like Moise Keane. You know, I think if it was as easy as putting Richarlson back out on the left or right wing, then he'd do it. But the left and right wing positions have changed so much. Well, they're playing 10, 15 yards further back the pitch as wide midfielders rather yeah. than sort of inside forwards. So it's not as easy to just put Richarlson back out wide because then he's got to do a lot more defensively. So until there's a bit of a tweak in the system change or maybe Carlo's got something in mind where he can integrate into the team for the whole the benefit of the whole squad but I wouldn't write him off right now but I would like to find out a little bit of a niche position for him in the setup or find something where we can get the best out of him because at the end of the day we spent a lot of money on him as well and we don't want to start thinking we've done another Umanias on another <laughs> high profile player basically yeah I mean I agree with what you're saying there Ben I think part of the problem with Awobi is similar to what we have with Sigson in previous seasons is trying to fit these plays in to, to, perform, to perform their best in the system and uh, Awobi has potential I, I wouldn't argue that but he's about 24, 25 now he's still yeah okay so but he never fully nailed down a first team place at Arsenal did he he, he hasn't quite nailed down a first team place here so yeah he deserves another opportunity I agree I, I agree with you but I'm not quite sure where his, his best role is within, within the side funny enough I thought watching the game on Sunday the two midfielders who came up with, 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 with credit after the game with Fabian Delph and Morgan Snyderland because suddenly <laughs> by them not playing in that game their, their stock rose greatly mm. because I'm sure uh, they've not been our, our best performers this season but yeah. compared, compared to what we saw on Sunday maybe they're worth considering for the derby game I, I, I really don't Delph's know Snyderland would be fair Snyderland's out isn't yeah. 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 Delph's so. going to play I reckon, I reckon he's worked his way back up to first choice somehow. everyone's desperate for Fabian to be in the 11 on Monday I yeah. Like yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I actually, I actually to be honest I actually think in a 4-4-2 Schnellen's the best midfield option we've got. Yeah. Mm. I think when he's been on it and he's played in that, you yeah. know, you think the Chelsea game when Ferguson first took, took charge, I thought he was brilliant. You know, Crystal Palace, I thought he was really, yeah. really good at home. I think he's the most natural because he can just sort of sit there, yeah. get the ball, pass it to Andre Gomez and kind of sort of say, well, I don't want to run box to box, I just want to sit here and kind of... He's, quite, he's probably the most mobile of them, of them yeah. all as well, isn't he? You know, and I think, yeah. I think, I think, I, I think he's really good at like that side-to-side shuffle. Like, yeah. But he wins tackles as well, doesn't he? Kind yeah. of, I mean, what we missed on Sunday was no one was winning tackles, at least with Snyder. Although, he, as you say, he has a propensity just to turn around and pass the ball back. But he does win tackles and, you know, you know he does cover players yeah. as well. The, the Alex Awobi sign, no, I, I never really understood that from... I thought because we didn't get Sahar, mate. The, 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 but I just think totally different players, though. Aren't but I just, yeah, I, I, know, I, I just, just like a lazy. I just, lazy I just didn't really get it because for what you know, from what I later described that they wanted in the summer, about what Silver was craving in terms of a wide man, that's just not a Wobie whatsoever. So I just never really understood why, why we spent all the money we did on him because I never, I never when we got him in thought for one minute he was going to really improve with him because yeah. I didn't see where he got in the team like, to, to, yeah. and I didn't think well he's not an out and out winger because everyone at Arsenal was sort of saying. Oh, well, the easy struggles. He's not good enough to play in the middle of the pitch, and he's not good enough to play on the. He's not good enough. Yeah. To, he's not a good enough winger, but he's not good enough to play in the middle of the pitch. What we've got in terms of Ozil, you know, a Bamiyang type type thing. So, I never really understood they will be signing. I think for me, he looks like he's heading one way, and really? I think because I just think it's it's it, he doesn't he doesn't get a look in, does he? It was just strange he yeah. didn't get on for me. Yeah, well, you know, you look, you know, you look at the weekend Anthony Gordon got you know yeah. fifteen yeah. minutes. Don't get me wrong, I think it's great. Yeah, I think you know I, I'm a big. Anthony Gordon fan, um, and I think he's got a bright future, and I think he, he really will burst on the scene. But you think if you're Alex Wobie, sat, you know, experienced Premier League player, your team's four 0 down with Bone, you might just making an attack yeah, and change. Yeah. I would be thinking it's, it's going to be me who gets, who gets an idea to come on, you know, yeah. 
And uh, Moise Keane and Anthony Gordon get the nod over him. It, well, there's two it, wingers it, who come on before him, isn't there? Yeah, Effectively, yeah, Walcott gets on at half time. Exactly. You know, well, so yeah. it's, you, if I was a Wolby, I'd be worried. Stuff like that, I think it would, would yeah. worry me. I, I think just as well, I can't admit. I mean, Andy Gordon coming on was great. And it's kind of raised the question is why there's so few youngsters progressing from our under 21 side into the first team at the moment. The, the only one who's really come, come through and established himself is Tom Davies. And we have, we have huge reservations about Tom at the moment as well. Anthony Gordon, I agree, he's got loads of potential. And you just hope that, you know, it doesn't kind of get coached out. And that when he does get his opportunity, he does manage to establish himself in the side. Um, we'll move on, final five minutes or so. Um, not quite ready to talk about the derby as a game yet itself. Um, it is still five days away as, as this, this part we'll of the anyway, show goes out. Yeah, we might not even be there anyway. Um, but I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, Paul. If Manchester City take less than four points in the next two games, there is a chance, well, Liverpool will have the chance to win the Premier League title at Goodison Park. Um, how much does that fill you with dread? Loads or not at all? Is it keeping you up at night or...? <laughs> It, it, it fills me with absolute dread. I mean, it's Evertonian's worst nightmare scenario, isn't it? That your, your, your most bitter rivals are going to win the, the league title on your ground. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really hoping that Man City can get enough points in their next two games to um, to prevent that happening. Of course, I mean, there's a few possibilities. And the other uh, outcome I'm worried about is if City... Have, don't win those two league games. So Liverpool are effectively champions when they come to Goodison Park. But they need to lose both to, yeah, to be mathem- yeah. mathematically certain, don't they? So yeah. if, if that were to happen, I know it's unlikely, but I mean, is it a requirement? I mean, you might know this, Connor. Is the requirement of the Premier League that you have to do a guard of honour when a team wins the title? Is, is that... I don't think the club would care. Take the fine. I don't think it is a requirement. I think it's yeah. just kind of always been a... We can't do that, can we? I don't think we surely can't. No, I give you that. I don't think it happened, but I, mean, I, 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 I think it was. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing that we need to do. I think the club would be uh, uh, trying, me personally, I think the club would try and run the line of professional, rise above the whole fanfare, you know, it's sportsman, gamesmanship, whatever. Yeah. See people. <laughs> I, mean, I, think massive, I think if they do that, they'll be massive office behind closed doors, and no one's there to be. Yeah, 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 you know, it's been, it's been yeah. such an difference. But I, I just don't see how how you can start off a, a home derby game by giving Liverpool a card of honour. I, I really ju- I just don't see how that can happen. And it, it is it is you no know, something that every Everson fan is absolutely dreading. And you know. Um, I'm worried on Wednesday night. Arteta goes back to, to City mm. on Wednesday night. You wonder, is he going to put one over on Pep? And then on the Saturday, they play Burnley, but they've got Real Madrid the following week. Sunday, the Burnley game, isn't right. it? Yeah. And yeah. they've got Real two or three days after. Yeah, so are they going to put the strongest team out? Is he going to put a weakened team out? So there's there's so many possibilities. And of course, from, the, from our perspective as fans, depending on where Liverpool are with their title bit, it changes your expectations of what you want from the game. Hmm. Because if they've already won the league, then okay, it'd be great to beat them, but it doesn't quite have the same effect of us winning and stopping them win the league on that evening. Yeah, it seems that everyone, every Evertonian sort of had this on the mind, it's all been talked about yeah, yeah. all week about different scenarios. Now, for me personally, it's it's quite simple. Them actually winning it at Goodison by beating us, funnily enough, you might be surprised, I'm not actually that concerned about because at the end of the day, we're gonna be we're gonna be sat there in the ground, or maybe not, but yeah. we're gonna be sat there, you know, we'll go on the premise that we're gonna yeah. be in the ground. I've sat there in the ground when we've been beaten in dive matches and it's awful and it's horrible. So it doesn't really make it any worse for me if they win the league because they're going to win it anyway. I just don't want them to turn up as champions because, like you say, the guard of honour questions will come up and they'll be singing all the way through that the champions and all that. But at the end of the game, if we've been beaten by Liverpool, I think it's going to be hard enough and bad enough, really, that they've done the mm. double over us. Well, treble over us, really. Yeah. You know, so I'm not too bothered about that. If they win it, a Goodison by beating us then they've beaten us and it's going to be defeating the derby but if they do it before they turn up it's going to be a really hostile game that is going to it might get a bit nasty if the, fa- if the fans are still there that is yeah disappointing <laughs> what a positive show it's been well this is whatever it's the hope that kills that Everton have yeah. led us to this this yeah. week so yeah. we can't feel guilty about it because they've let us down it's, it's, so. just, yeah. it's just the next chapter isn't it in the only Everton story yeah. you know, it's, well, just, it's yeah. just the next chapter isn't yeah. it I suppose at least if it happened we know it could never ever get any worse what, we say that we it's say that <laughs> we thought the Origi goal couldn't get yeah, anywhere. I think, then I think, this year I think, we get beat by the kids. I think it would be like a bit of an exorcism of sorts. It mm. might potentially cleanse us of our Everton yeah. natness. 
and just oh, I don't know I think it condemn yeah, us <laughs> but my worry would also be if they come and beat us in the Derby Goodison if at the end of the season we miss out on a Europa League place by three points that mm. would be absolutely rubbing salt into the wounds wouldn't it you know mm. and much as I appreciate your your professionalism there, Ben, and, and your sporting outlook on this, I I, I really can't stomach Liverpool mm. winning the title of Goodison. No guard of honour. No, I think Real Madrid did, did it for Barcelona, I, didn't they? One absolutely season, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. So there's precedent for bitter rivals. It'd be interesting too, if any club has not done it, ever done a guard of honour for a, a yeah. team who won the league in Premier League, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting if anyone's not kind of snub, snubbed them and said, "I can't yeah. remember us winning the league, so I wouldn't." <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, um, just, just finally, then obviously, like I said, it's, it's still five days away. We don't know what the situation is going to be. There's going to be fans there if they can win the title or not. Um, and do you fancy Everton, Connor, in the game? <laughs> They've been all right. They've been all right at home, to be fair. Yeah, you know. um, um, I think as well. And they, to be fair, you know. The Reds, as, as good as they've been all season, that's been a bit of a drop off. Well, I think, I think that's well. the interesting thing, isn't it? Because I think, you know, Atletico Madrid is, is massive. Yeah. Because I think if they turn that round against Atletico Madrid and, you know, they produce one of the famous yeah, yeah. Anfield comebacks, um, European nights, then they'll arrive at Goodison, right up for it, won't they? You know, they'll be. Ben's just flying. a little bit sick in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be, flying. They'll, 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 they'll be flying high. But I think if they get knocked out by Atletico, they might be a little bit kind of bruised and a little bit, you know. Because I think ultimately, if they do get beat by Atletico, it's going to be a long season, like a long because they'll win the league this yeah, week, yeah. this week or next week. Mm. But then they're probably not going to get they don't get the trophy till is it Chelsea? Yeah, they have to get last home game. Yeah, which is the 9th of May or something mm, like that. Mm. So it's it's a hell of a long time from the 16th, 21st of I'm March. Sure they'll cope. No, but I think <laughs> Listen, for, for, where through, were, for, where, for where they for where they were for where they were you know two weeks ago when it was like they're going to win everything. It's a oh, bit yeah. of a come down, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Depending on how they got on Wednesday night, I think if they, if they win, they'll arrive flying high. And I think we'll struggle to contain them for yeah. for 90 minutes. Yeah. I, I think but I think if, if they come and they're a little bit kind of bruised, yeah. we've got a chance to get the points. I, I think we could you know, get a 1 1 or something like that. I, I think you're right, Connor. I, I think the Athletic game on Wednesday is crucial for Everson's prospects. It is Liverpool don't don't qualify on Wednesday. They're going to come on a bit of a down to Goodison. I think we can take advantage of that. And I think it's all bearing in mind, you know, uh, uh, Alisson won't be in goal, will he? Yeah. Jordan Henderson still going to be missing? No, I think he's back. He's back. He's back. back. Okay, yeah. so I, I, I think we've still got a chance. And yeah, let, let's face it, you know, as next as we are by Everson from time to time, if Watford can beat Liverpool 3-0, surely we can <laughs> learn something from that, surely. Final word to you, Ben, on the derby. Uh, just... I've been bruised too many times by going into a derby. Like you know, we all went into the FA Cup game thinking we're playing the kids. We've got a chance here, and we just reversed the type. So I'm not giving any predictions because uh, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, like you say, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be interesting. Sorry to see how they come out of this week with the Atletico game and that, and whether they have or haven't won the league. But all I care about is I just want Everton to turn up and make it a bit, a bit like we did last year. Mm. And if we come away from it with a positive result, whatever that may be. Then we'll all go home happy. At least we'll have our Everton back for a little yeah. bit more. I'll yeah. have a three week break then as well. Yeah, no games for three weeks. Good, Fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Atkinson's the ref, so what could go wrong there? Well, Rodwell's <laughs> not there to get sent off. And Suarez isn't there to cheat, so we yeah. should be okay. I think Anthony Taylor's the VAR as well, so another, right. another high class. Oh, he's a Man United fan, so he might give us a bit more, <laughs> might he, you know? Yeah. Um, brilliant. Thanks very much to the lads there. Uh, uh, that's been your weekly show here on Radio City Talk. We'll be back again we same to. time next week <laughs> to look back at that Merseyside derby. <laughs> uh, can't wait for that one. We'll speak to you soon. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.